0: Hello and welcome to another episode of That Was A Departure, a music podcast where I talk to my friends, family, and other music nerds about albums from their favorite bands that were a departure from that band's previous releases. And of course, our motto here is that bands don't sell out, they just change a little and that's fine. Today's episode, my friend Jake joins me to discuss Sigaross, a band from Iceland that I had actually never listened to before, not even one track. So Jake brought this to me and said he wanted to discuss Rós, and I said, "Cool. I've literally never listened to them." So when I started this podcast, I was actually kind of hoping for a situation like this and I hope for more in the future. And uh, because I, I wanted to learn about new things as well as revisit things that I already knew. So today we discuss Sigur Ross's 1999 album, A Good Beginning. And I'm not going to even attempt the Icelandic name and we don't attempt him during the show either. So we discussed that 99 album and then the Departure album is from 2008. With a buzz in our ears, we play endlessly. And honestly, I think this is one of the most significant departures that i've done so far so i appreciate jake for bringing this to me and giving me something cool to listen to so without further ado me and jake discussing cigars on that was a departure jake thank you for joining me today on the
1: podcast dr I, jake yep dr jake thanks for having me
0: jake how are you doing today
1: uh pretty good i'm on vacation right now so that's what i heard yeah Yep.
0: Um, I, in, in advance of the show, well, today we're going to, who are we talking about today? I'll let you say the name because it's Icelandic.
1: <laughs> yeah. We're going to have that problem. I think this whole time trying to pronounce some of this stuff, but it's Sigur Ross. That's how I Sigur say Ross.
0: it. And, um, so today we're going to talk about Sigur Ross and I'll just say it the way you say it. And I don't care if anyone corrects me later. Um, so we're going to talk about a couple of albums that they did, but, um, yeah, this was a this was a a weird one for me because unlike the previous episodes I had literally never listened to them ever. Um I knew the band name, I had no idea going into it what the sound was going to be and you texted me like, "Hey, don't worry about lyrics because they're all in Icelandic." And I was like, "Oh, <laughs> I had no idea."
1: Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's it's funny because I had never really listened to the lyrics before myself. Well, like I listened to them obviously, but like yeah, never thought about what they meant until I did some analysis for this.
0: Yeah, and and I kind of tried to as well, but then I was. We can get into it later, but I was I was reading more about them, and and as a band, uh, it just seems like they're all about like creating a soundscape. Not to sound snobby as hell, there. So it's like sometimes the lyrics just don't seem to make any sense. Um, so, and I think like maybe that's part of it. But yeah,
1: we'll um... we'll definitely talk about that. Actually, like the lead singer. He kind of says he made up his own quote language that yeah. they sing some of the songs in, or he does. He yeah. sings some of the songs in.
0: Tell me more about your experience with Cigarettes uh, and how you got started. When did you start listening to them, and and why? And kind of give me that breakdown from your perspective.
1: So I actually know precisely, maybe not to the date, but I know like when I started listening to them. Uh, it's, uh, I I think it was like senior year of high school. Mm-hmm. Is junior senior? Pretty sure it's senior. But I was in this class. Uh, it was German class actually, and I had taken German like every year possible, and mm-hmm. so you gradually lose people throughout middle <laughs> right, school and yeah. high school. Yeah, right. And so right. finally, it was what sixth year German, and there was only me and this one other guy who were left at the same level
0: two people left in the class yeah well yeah right but they 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 ended up
1: consolidating the six levels with the fifth with like the fourth and the fifth year okay when we got to that point
0: i got to fourth year latin and had like eight people left in the class (laughs) yeah like yeah
1: (laughs) well it was a fun time We, we ended up i mean at some point the German teacher was like I've got to teach these other 30 kids and I'm not teaching you anything new so you all go into the other room and uh, just study I guess yeah do whatever <laughs> talk <Yeah. laughs> talk in German to each other forever and so
0: naturally you were like oh I can learn Icelandic yeah right <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> well as you can exp- uh, as you can imagine we we didn't do a ton of talking in German when we were in this room by ourselves. We just right. ended up talking a lot, so um, we shared music with each other a whole lot at that time. And one of those things was the Sigur album, and I had never heard of them before that. Uh, mm-hmm. And he just, you know, gave me I think all three of their albums that were out at the time to take yeah, what, home. And what
0: what year would have this
1: been? This would you? have been like... two thousand six, I think. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so this was still in a time where you would, like, rip CDs onto your computer to put onto iPad, iPod. So I was doing that right. constantly with friends at the time, where bring a CD to school, I'll take it home, I'll put it on my iTunes, and then give you back the CD. Right, right. So that's how I started listening to them, and I pretty much fell in love immediately. I, they've been one of my favorite bands ever since that time. But What,
0: what was your listening... Like, when you first listened to it... um what was it about them you know cuz when i when i suggested the podcast to you it was like you were between a couple of bands but i you settled on on these guys and like what made you what 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 made you uh, choose this band i guess for this podcast what is it about them for you
1: well like i said they're they they are one of my favorites and they have come a long way and i think that the music itself is pretty atypical to like Mm-hmm. A lot of other stuff, especially like things that that become popular. Um, I think they're still uh, they're definitely not unknown, but I don't think that most common mainstream listeners know of them necessarily. But yeah, yeah, like their albums have been top twenty on Billboard when they've come out. So there's definitely a lot of fans, but I don't think that they've got as much recognition as they deserve I guess but sure then with the concept of of your podcast I thought it was interesting because they're very much instrumentalists and musicians that just kind of play what they feel like at the time and then record that and release it and so it's interesting to see where they where they were and then where they went
0: Yeah, yeah 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 I definitely got a sense of that when i saw so like i said i had never listened at like ever and with with cigaros it's like other than so we'll obviously talk about um so we're going to talk about i'm not going to fucking say it we're going to talk <laughs> about their 1999 album which translates to a good beginning and then we're going to talk about their um 2008 album which translates to with a buzz in our ears we play endlessly so those are the two albums that we're going to discuss and to your point about being, like, maybe somewhat unknown, um, it, it, for me, I le- uh, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't help that, like, I don't, they don't really have, like, the mentality of, like, releasing singles. Like, the albums no. have singles, but, like, a lot of their songs clock in at six plus minutes, <laughs> yep. you know? So, um, which is what made the departure in that 2008 album interesting for me, because, without getting too far ahead of ourselves i feel like they actually did do some songs on that album that were like uh you know like digestible
1: in yeah, under exactly. 5 minutes yeah and that's exactly why i thought this these two would be good to compare for this for that reason right. so
0: so let's get into this first album june 1999 is when a good beginning came out it was their second album my understanding from doing some some reading on it is it was really like their first kind of, like, commercially successful album. I mean, it's, like, their second album, so that's, I guess, you know, maybe people tracks. started to notice them. Yeah, um, it,
1: it's interesting. I, I don't... I haven't listened to the first one a whole lot. Um, I have previously, a long time ago, but it's not super remarkable for myself mm-hmm. yeah. because it, it's a lot, like, if you kind of think of the evolution that, that they've gone through, it's, like it's along those lines so it's like even more abstract, even more ethereal comparatively. Yeah,
0: yeah. And I and I like I I kind of just to prepare for the show, kind of like I listened to this album in inti- you know front to back in its entirety. And then I went back and listened to a few songs again just to like kind of refresh it in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um and then I listened to some songs in between this album and the and the 2008 release just to make sure I was like, okay, did they change at all kind of in between? And like you, to, like you said, it kind of, they kind of just got like more and more into this sound. And then this 2008 album is when they really like changed a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, actually, so um, a good beginning was uh, pitchfork, put it on uh number two as the best album for the year 2000 um, and was placed at number eight for their top 200 album of the two thousands, uh, Rolling Stone called it the 29th best album of the two thousands. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, and it was also, <laughs> this is weird. It was also included in a book titled 1001 albums. You must hear before you die. Um, which is like crazy. Like you said, like this is yeah. commercial success and you know, maybe they're, I don't want to make it sound like too snobby or something. I'm sure a lot of people listen to this band, but um, it's yeah. crazy to have a band that does what they do um, have that much like commercial success and, and, uh, and uh, recognition, I guess. Yeah. It's
1: so crazy. Those, I didn't, I didn't stumble across those numbers at all, but isn't number two for the year number eight for the, the decade from yeah. Rolling Stone. Yeah. From- Pitchfork, Pitchfork and Rolling Pitchfork.
0: Stone, for just yeah, Pitchfork and then Rolling Stone named it the twenty ninth best album of the two thousands. So
1: yeah, yeah, I don't disagree, yeah. but I'm just thinking about like how high up that is for how I perceive their popularity or rec- sure. recognition. So that's really interesting.
0: Um, I guess we can, you know, what where do you want to start with this album? I did
1: take some notes track by track. Um, yeah, sure. So we could do that if you wanted to. Um, I'll.
0: I can just say that, like, my first impression, because I've never heard the band before, um, was, I, I wasn't expecting. I don't know what I was expecting.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yes. I guess that's a good question. Like, what were yeah. you expecting when I do just say, "Hey, it's here's this Icelandic band <laughs> to listen to."
0: Yeah, and I didn't even know they were Icelandic until you told me that I didn't have to worry about the lyrics. Um, but then I, you know, you sent me that translation website and then I actually I did read the lyrics. Um, but I I don't know. Like I I saw the name and I was like the first thing I thought of was like, oh, Bonnie Ver, cuz it's like also a foreign name, right. you know? Um, so I was like, oh, maybe it'll be kind of folky like that. Um And instead, what I got was, like, I wrote down the words um, melodic, dreamy. I wrote down sound bath. Like, it just feels like Mm -hmm. a sound bath in this first album. Um, I wrote down, like, study music. Um, Like, it's just something you put on and um, uh, kind of, like, listen to in the background, maybe. I also wrote down Pink Floyd and Coldplay. I think that, like... They they started before Coldplay, so maybe I don't know. If, I tried to look if Coldplay cites them as a as an influence. I couldn't find that, but. Um, yeah, Pink Floyd know, is an like, interesting one.
1: I I I can see a lot of influence from them on on Ross. I would say, and I I did read an interview that where one of them mentioned Pink Floyd. So.
0: Yeah, I was just trying. I was just thinking of like this first album that we listened to. A good beginning. It was like, just sweeping and moving and like i listen to a few you know other bands metal bands typically that have eight or nine minute songs and um i don't know there was it was something about this album that um i wasn't expecting long songs i wasn't expecting kind of like these big sweeping orchestral movements
1: i think they do a good job of moving the songs along even if they are like slow or Mm -hmm. like sweeping i guess like Mm -hmm. i I feel like they do a good job of adding in elements as the song goes along even if like the bass part of the song kind of maybe repeats a little bit but then they add in more strings and like more sound and like just amplify that feeling that they're going for for each song
0: right and i i will say um the the, it's not the first song of the album. Cause I think the first song is just like an intro track, but the second song in the album um, has that like one keyboard note that like that, yeah. Dung, that just continues throughout. Mm-hmm. And I, I loved that. Like I, it just kind of like keeps you. And I think maybe this is like representative of their work. Um, I can, I can't say that I haven't listened to a lot of them, but like, it just like kind of keeps you grounded a little bit. So it doesn't feel like even though the song just goes on and on and builds and builds that little, like simple one note just kind of keeps you like grounded to the, to the song and, and without, without like you kind of losing track of where you are.
1: Yeah. Um, I saw an interview talking about that exact note. Actually, it's funny. Yeah. He said that they hooked up like the keyboard to this like really old amp or whatever. And it was just so terrible. It made that sound, but then they're like, Hey, that kind of sounds like a submarine. and so Oh they, sure. Yeah. <laughs> and then they yeah. just kept it as the whole thing throughout the whole song just because they're yeah. he had hooked it up. And then that they're, inspired the rest of the song.
0: They're fucking weird, man. Yeah. <laughs> like that's that's the biggest thing I think I got out of listening to both albums is like they're just they're fucking they're just weird and they're clearly like musically very talented and like great at composition and all that stuff. It's just, man, I, one thing I'll say about this first album and then you can kind of talk about tracks if you want. One more thing I'll say is like, it, it feels like just, it just, it feels like a, an album that was made in Iceland, (laughs) you know, like it just, it's like blue, like the whole album is blue. Like that's what I come out of it. Um, but yeah, it's uh,
1: like you get, you evoke the visions of the landscape of Iceland from listening to this band. It's
0: right. It's very weird. It's very strange that they that they could do that. But it's um, anyway. So what are your? I have some notes down, but like, what are your? Where do you want to start with? Um, what 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 uh, what do you want to talk about?
1: Well, I took a little bit of notes about the lyrics. Like I like I said, I never had looked at translations for the lyrics beforehand. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of a new thing going through this process, which I thought was interesting. I One note that I had made is for this album, I was wondering if it was kind of actually a concept album, but then I got about halfway through and then like the lyrics took a complete left turn. Like I, okay. I felt like I could like notice a story being told. It's funny. I actually kind of got
0: the same thing. I actually got kind of got the same thing. I, I like, I yeah that's weird. Talk more about that, I guess, because I I felt this exact same way. I was writing lyrics down, and I was like, I could kind of see, uh, like you said, like a concept album. Um, and, um, anyway, where did you? I guess talk more about that. Yeah, and so what, what you saw like that? We already
1: yeah. talked about. I'm gonna attempt saying the name of this song exactly one time. Um, <laughs> Seven Anglar is what it's Which called. That's the second one, the one that we've been talking about. Okay, sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I thought that that was really
1: interesting after reading the lyrics and then um, thinking about how the music contributes to the the lyrics as well. Um, So it seems to me like it's an allegory of being born, essentially. There's a lot of these notes about Yeah, I'm
0: pulling the lyrics up again just to to read them again. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Yeah. I'm going to pull them up here so I can – talk about them too i took a couple notes from the lyrics directly yeah i
0: could see that now rereading it yeah Um, the
1: new light i cry and i cry placed at the teat
0: i mean i'm reading it again the whole song seems to be uh seems to be that way like it is so good to be here well first off i have arrived again is the first line Mm -hmm. um it is so good to be here but to stop only for a little while, I float around in a submarine cocoon. Well, there's the submarine line that you mentioned. So that's neat. Um, yeah. If it goes back to that single note that, that we talked about. Um, so, so is that why you started thinking concept album? You think they're born at the beginning of the album?
1: Well, this is the first one. And well, then if you look at the cover art of the album, right, it's a right. uh, little baby alien with an umbilical cord and stuff.
0: Right, yeah. I'm glad you said alien too because I also thought alien. Like it's like giant a giant f- uh, head on this fetus with wings. Yep. Um and I actually lo- I love the album art because I see it and then I listen to the album and I'm it just feels right. Yep. Um yeah. All of this to say by the way that like I didn't I didn't like love this. Like I thought it was really well made, but it's totally not my style. Um, if you had like given me this album when I was a senior in college, it was just trying to like crush papers. I probably would have loved it, but I think I like, I think it missed me a little bit, you know, mm. um, for whatever that's worth. I don't know why I said that. Maybe I just wanted to shit on them. I guess
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, everybody likes what they like. So no problem. right.
0: Right. Yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I love to be validated. So. <laughs> um, you know yeah, so now I'm do, considering do, if
1: I actually like them or not. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I mean, just to, to go back to like the lyrical content, um, and trying to figure trying to figure that out, right? Like, first off, if you've if uh, just to like to the listeners out there, um, if you've never heard the band or if you've heard the band never read the lyrics, they they in a lot of places don't seem to make sense they seem like very disjointed and almost like stream of consciousness thoughts. Um, and one comment I read, at least to me, one comment I read, I was just looking up lyrics and trying to figure out, I think I couldn't find the translation of one of the songs and someone, I just found this comment on Reddit that I was like, I kind of agreed with, or I wanted to talk about it. And what the person said was I wouldn't put much stock trying to give most cigar songs a -a 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 deeper meaning you give it meaning when you feel it and hear it. They even write songs with gibberish as the lyrics, which we talked about. Yep. They are meant to sound beautiful. I think the vote, I think of the vocal as another instrument to build a soundscape.
1: Yeah. Um, That's yeah. how I've always thought of Sigur too. Like the, the vocals are just another instrument to me, but it's interesting that like, you know, a lot of the songs are actually in Icelandic, but then there's other songs that are in this made up language, which, they call hopelandic i guess
0: yeah it's like uh i wrote von it lenska. down yeah, yeah um it's not von Lenska because i googled that and i could it's it's oh it is von Lenska. look at me fuck me i'll edit that out <laughs> 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 i thought it was volneska no yeah von lenska hopelandic yeah so we you know we talk about like the birth at the front of the album um it's weird because i'll let you continue on that but it's weird because i actually got after that song i got really really like i thought the album got really dark Um, oh
1: yeah lyrically at least yeah um one thing on the last song and to just close it out that i never really thought about was that Mm -hmm. it, it ends with like this heart beating sound effect yeah yeah and i was like wow this like all lines up with like the lyrics and everything you know yep it yep. so i looked at a different different in a little bit of a different light then um, where do we go from there so i don't think we need to talk too much specifically about lyrics in the next couple of songs but
0: good because i wrote down no notes on those <laughs> you know <laughs> like i didn't find anything in them really yet. like i could kind
1: of see like this a little bit of a of a story developing but i i don't know i fought I felt like the lyrics are a little creepy in the next song, Star Elf um, Oh, Staring Elf. Yeah. They are
0: creepy. But honestly, I kinda liked them. <laughs> it painted it painted a picture. I was like thinking of like the elf on the shelf or something. Yeah. But um I actually kinda liked that song. Um, and then re- and then read the lyrics and was like, This song's
1: fucking weird. <laughs> um Yeah. I love the, uh, the song. I mean that's a, that's a weird thing. Like it doesn't doesn't really match the creepiness of the of the lyrics with the with the music cuz it's a very bright song.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um for track 4, which translates to the Fly's Savior, I I wrote down that this is when we start getting like this darker lyrical content seeping into the album. Mm -hmm. So I wrote down the day wears on going aboard. I had begun to fight the stream, which had already killed so many. I cannot breathe and I am heavier with every wave. I need a miracle because I am drowning. I try to get on board. Um, And that was just like, so, so like dark and, and uh, like sad, I guess. And that's what kind of brought me back to like this album is like very blue mm-hmm. um, and, and black and dark. Um, yeah,
1: it seemed to me like there's, like I said, when I was kind of like, is this a concept album? Like, right. There's something about like, almost like this, like, alien invasion or something like that. Yeah, it, yeah. See what was the one that I was. I'm like of?
0: read. I'm reading further in my notes and like agreeing with you more. Like track yep. five is called is called New Batteries, and it just makes me. <laughs> you said alien invasion. And I'm yeah. Like, I'm thinking now. I'm thinking about it more. Yeah. yeah.
1: There's a, a lyric something about like oh yeah. So here's what I wrote down. We shred the wild away into the unknown, where we destroy everything and rebuild after once again. Like are these what like, song? Which one is that from? That's that's New Batteries. So it's like are these aliens that come and pillage the planets and destroy everything. And then they go to the next planet once they've gotten everything out of it. I don't know. Well, I, I wrote down barbed wire stapled into my
0: bleeding mouth. Locked and closed in a cage, naked animals beat me, a savior knocks, and untamed sets new batteries in charge again. Like, what the fuck? (laughs) You know, (laughs) like, that's like the Matrix or something. (laughs) Um, uh, And I wrote down, this is like the darkest track of the album. Um, And also, if we, we haven't really talked about musicality, I think that might be the first song that actually has like a full drum set. There's like a bass oh, yeah. and a snare halfway through the song, and like a low bass line that I really liked. Yeah, but it was that was jarring to me because it was not necessarily jarring, but it wasn't. I don't think that that was present in earlier songs.
1: Yeah, I mean, it kind of like marks a real turn for the whole album. That that song, like you said, like I think the whole second half of the album, you have a little bit more guitar, yep, and bass on it and drums. So like, and
0: I mean you you move directly into track six and it starts with like this jazzy keyboard and bass riff. Yep. Um, which and like the swing drum and harmonica, like they bring harmonica in, I think on track six. Yep. yep um, I don't know about that. Yeah. 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 So yeah, keep going, I guess. Where'd you want to go?
1: Um, I think we can start talking about the second half of the album. I mean, I, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. that's kind of where it starts changing. Where I was like, well, now these new lyrics don't seem to follow the the story that I was writing based on right. what I was reading.
0: I just had this realization, though. You know what? That happens with the 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 two thousand and eight album as well with a buzz in our ears. It does. That happens too. The second, the back half of the album, it feels like a totally separate yep.
1: album. Yep. So you're exactly right.
0: That, right. Oh, thank you.
1: <laughs> yep. I I thought about that same thing too. Um, so I guess one thing that I wanted to talk about is. There's this, I don't know how much you looked into it, um, but they actually play a uh, cello bow on the guitar.
0: Yes, yeah, 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 I, I um, yeah, Jonesy, right, the lead singer and yeah. whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. I shouldn't say and whatever. <laughs> the guy, the guy up front, yeah.
1: Yeah, Yonzy, um, I think is how it is. Pronounced. Okay.
0: Well, I'm gonna say Jonesy. Okay. Sounds like he could. He. It sounds like he could also be a minor league baseball player. Right. Like yeah. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Jonesy doubles or something. I don't know. Yeah. Um. But yeah, yeah, yeah. The cello. He plays the cello bow on the guitar, which is also something that I think he stopped doing or didn't do as much on the on the later
1: album. But yeah. So that'll be. Uh, something that we can talk about on the on the later album because it's definitely used a lot less, but it is, you know, ubiquitous through the first half of this album. Yeah,
0: yep, yep. To the point where I was like, "Is this orchestra or is this guitar with a with a bow?" You know, like I couldn't tell.
1: Yeah, I I think it sounds really cool personally.
0: And it's got to. Did you have you ever seen them live? I didn't ask you that question. I
1: have seen them one time live. I okay. got really lucky. They came to Louisville, actually, mm-hmm. which I don't know how that happened. <laughs> when you have these international acts, they usually right, stick yeah, yeah. to the, the coastal big cities. But yeah, they came to Louisville, and I got to see them. Um, it was a great show. It was after their keyboard player, piano player, had left, and they didn't play a whole lot of the songs like that I really fell in love with them. Yeah, like It was a really cool... Experience wasn't my favorite concert, though. I'll say that. Okay,
0: okay, yeah. I could see how it would be more of like soaking in an experience, and yep. um, just because of what we've already talked about. I mean, I don't, don't think
1: a... anybody in the crowd moved a muscle the whole concert, you know,
0: right? Yeah, 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 well, yeah. So you're saying no one was throwing down in the pit for, <laughs> like, I mean, they could that's, have. That was
1: the thing, it was a really heavy concert, yeah. But everybody was other, just sitting there listening to it. That's, a,
0: that's the other thing, too, is that, like, you can't call out the names of the songs. <laughs> you know, yeah. you can't, like, <laughs> shout Freebird at them. Um, Like, hey, play the Heart Pounds, boom, boom, boom. Yeah. <laughs> like, it just... Um, But, yeah, I mean, speaking of track six, that Heart Pounds song, that was maybe the first one where I actually, because of that intro with the with the jazzy keyboard riff and the harmonica that was like the first song that i could actually picture like a band playing mm-hmm. cuz previously to that it just did not really sound like a like four dudes in an amp right it just right. It sounded like this this moving sweeping ethereal bodiless um sound but um, which I liked. Like I liked that they brought a song in, or at least the intro to the song that was like, kind of like brought us, like you said, brought us into like the back half of the album. Mm-hmm. But I also wrote down that like those dark lyrics continue. I don't know that they follow the same trend as the first half, but he said in that song says awake, but sleeping the heart stops. I insert a pacemaker. I find a jumper cable and turn myself on uh, system failure. I continue to search like, it's, yeah. it's just, like, another, like, weird – I guess that right there also reminds me of some kind of, like, horror movie or something. It's just, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah.
1: I agree. And then you just have the complete left turn of the next <laughs> song.
0: Right, like, yeah.
1: Lyrically, like, just completely different. Yeah. It's, like, a really yeah, long I- song, but – Um,
0: I wrote that down. First, I wrote that down without seeing the, the trans. So we talk about track seven without seeing the translation of the name. I wrote down, this is my notes, uplifting lyrically seems like they're shifting into something more uplifting and maybe the album is shifting again into the more positive. And then I wrote, oh shit, look at the name of the song. Yeah. (laughs) It's called good weather for an airstrike. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which is a dope song name, <laughs> but, um, like, I, I don't know. And then, and then what I loved about this song and then I'm sorry, I'll let you talk about it if if you have something, but what I loved about the song is that it is so uplifting, but it ends in this like orchestral cacophony. Yep. Like it ends with like a bunch of, like a bunch of orchestral pieces, just not playing with yeah, each other. It's just chaos it's,
1: at the end of the song. Right. Right. Yeah, this one you should uh, watch the music video at mm-hmm. some point in time because it adds a lot of context to the lyrics. Now that I like read them,
0: is it grainy real time footage of the firebombing of Dresden? <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: actually, this is a this is a, something that's really interesting to talk about. Um, I guess I'll describe the music viz- the music video a little bit. Maybe you can make okay. a connection with the lyrics. So, yeah, essentially, this kid is. This little boy is playing with dolls on, like, a dock or whatever. And his dad sees him playing with dolls and runs up to him and, like, throws the dolls into the water because he doesn't want him playing with dolls. Sure. And then it goes over to this soccer match that's being played. So his, his dad's, like, psyching up his son to, for to, to play in this soccer match. And before the game, one of the other boys on the team had recovered the dolls and gives them back to the boy. Okay. So then they are playing the game and the the boy, like, kicks the winning goal and the team all starts celebrating and, uh, like, piles on each other. And when they g- g- all get up, the two little boys are kissing. And okay. So then the, the dad, like, runs out onto the field and rips his son off and all, like, and there's, like, this montage of the two boys, like, playing with each other and like, fields and stuff like that.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Um. Isn't Yonzi also openly gay? He is, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: So that's where I thought the lyrics, I thought, were really interesting now that I've read them. I knew about the – I've seen the video before. I knew what it was about, but it hadn't thought about the lyrics. I can feel that complete, like, message coming through the lyrics as well of kind of this – Forbidden love story a, a little bit through these lyrics. Where do you get that in the lyrics? Um, let's see. Like I see see myself singing the gospel hymn we made together. We had our dream. We had it all. We ride the heavens. We ride, searching, climb up skyscrapers that later cracked apart. The piece outside. Hmm. Um. So maybe it's it's not it, it. So it's hopeful at the same time. So, to me, I got that it was like, you know, we're gay, but we're together, and that's what we need. And we go to these different places to try to be ourselves, and it falls apart every time, but at least we can go somewhere else and continue to be together. That's what I got Well,
0: And then you read the last line of the song, the best gift God has created is a new day. Yeah. So... I actually see that as really like I said earlier like the song is really uplifting. I actually see that as like super uplifting. Like the best gift that God has created is a new day, like a mm-hmm. chance to start over, you know. Um but I mean and like what I like about the band is like what I said earlier that that stuff that I was reading like on just some stupid comments on Reddit was like uh you know you can because the lyrics First off, just because they require translation, you're already getting someone's take on them because every translation has, uh, you know, like a person's understanding of the original text. So and then it just gets further when when you the listener hear it and can read the lyrics and put your own. Yeah, you definitely uh, have to
1: take the translations a little bit at face value. There's a couple of times where I was like, I don't think the translation really got this part <laughs> right. Sure, from yeah, what I get, yeah. From what yeah, I'm getting I, from this song, so.
0: Right. Yeah, and you can kind of assign your own meaning to it in some ways, yep. and then that kind of like leads back to the whole like idea of, especially because you consider. The fact that they he does sing in literal gibberish in some of the in some of their songs, um, and so it's in that situation, it's like you could you could take it all the way. To, I don't know if it's like nihilist, but you could take it all the way to be like the lyrics actually don't mean fucking anything, you know, like yeah. you can assign whatever you want to them, but like literally, I they don't mean anything, they're just kind of like cool phrases. <laughs> um, it's like the I,
1: red Icelandic red chili peppers, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What I feel about Anthony Kiedis' lyrics?
0: Yeah, no shit. That's the that's the if I could if I named the podcast things, that would be the name of this episode: (laughs) (laughs) the Icelandic Red Hot Chili Peppers. (laughs) Just says words Uh, that
1: go back to back and back with each other.
0: Right? Yeah. I mean, and like, I you know, I don't know. It's it's I I choose I choose not to really like live in that world. I prefer to read the words and. With the belief in my heart that like he chose those words for a reason, you know. Um yep. So that's well. Kinda just I mean, how I-
1: he's got this. The singer's got a way of making these songs with literal gibberish, like you said, but some of them are in Icelandic. So. Clearly right. intended to write the words, so
0: right, right, and we can talk later. And then in the next album that we're gonna, the departure album, uh, about how they actually sing in English on that for the first yep. time. I think it's the first time time they've ever sung in English. Yep. Um. So, let's move on to track eight, Olsen Olson. That's a weird song for this album. Mm-hmm. I first off, um, I don't know what the title means, and I couldn't find anything that was definitive. I saw somewhere that it is the name of an Icelandic candy bar. I saw that it is the name of an Icelandic card game. I also saw that it is the name of an Icelandic sandwich shop.
1: Yeah. So what I so, found was an interview with one of them and they said it was an inside joke about like a policeman that had stopped them or something like that.
0: Okay. All right. I thought you were going to say it was an inside joke about the Olsen twins. And I was going to be, <laughs> I, I saw some people mad. on
1: Reddit speculating that too. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> 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 Um, what I liked about this song was the, at the end of the song, there was this background crowd noise kind of Mm -hmm. with like a whistle coming in and doing the final, taking that melody and kind of playing it out, you know, like this, like solo from this, I don't know what it is. Like a, it's not a slide whistle, but it's like this, almost this like childish toy playing the melody. Yeah. Um, and it just kind of like made the song. That's why I thought this song was kind of weird on this album because, and I think actually, um, as we move into the next album, uh, the with a buzz in our ears, it kind of like looking back on it reminded me of that because it kind of like created this very like fun atmosphere that you don't really get in a lot of the the rest of this album.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree, and I did make a note here that part of it was like actually recorded outside. That's like, what it is in a field. Yeah, like, yeah. they got their family yeah. together and did played it essentially and record it. Yeah, you can tell. You can
0: it actually reminded me a lot of the Hotelier. I don't know if you had a Hotelier or Hotelier. I don't know. Have you ever listened to them?
1: No. They
0: they have they have a few songs on their most recent album, which was a long time ago, unfortunately, because I really like that band, where they recorded it outside, like by a stream, mm-hmm. and you can hear the stream flowing by and you can hear like people singing and it's a... Yeah. That's what it reminded me of. I came across but... a lot
1: of these references of them saying they recorded things in weird environments and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I think to your point, they're just, they're just weird. <laughs> like to do things atypical, they're just like, well, oh, we found ourselves here and we had a recorder. So we recorded it. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. What, what do you get from maybe the end of the album? Can you, can you wrap that? Can you put a button on the album? What are your, you know, what do you, anything else you want to talk about?
1: Well, I do like the, not the the, so the last song is a little kind of, just kind of an outro thing, but the second to last yeah. song, I, I love that one a lot. Yeah, um, yeah. It's clearly, it's about um, just like them evolving to like a recognized band. Um, and I guess there's a story behind it where they had gone to like a, a cafe and asked the cafe owner to put their album on um bold move yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so i uh, i guess they went there to listen to their first album in the thing and that was this song is remarking about them having a, a an all right start to their uh to I their see. career
0: okay yeah i get that now but musically yeah. i like
1: it yeah. um
0: i it was probably my second favorite song on the album mm-hmm. i could so, see a trend yeah. here <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's definitely the more accessible songs, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely, yeah. But uh, to close it out, they just slowed down uh, Stahlfeuer by four times, and the outro is just that song played again, very slow.
0: Oh, I didn't notice that.
1: Yeah. So, I don't know, it's weird. There's a lot of these elements of, like, a, a cohesive, like, concept album, but, like, there's this weird... Right turn lyrically in the middle of it, and you know, musically too, it does have a shift, but right, I mean, yeah,
0: that that was the that it wasn't confusing, but like I said earlier, I like to even if, um, for you read, you know, I was reading like, oh, don't, don't, uh, put any, don't put any time into the lyrics, they don't mean anything, you know, like I'm not. I'm not that kind of person. And maybe it's cause I was in fucking AP English 10 years ago. And I was told that there's God longer than 10 years ago. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I was, I was told that there's like, you know, there's meaning in everything, you know, like, so yeah. that's why I love that you started the conversation with, I thought it was a concept album, but maybe it's not because I listened to it from front to back. And you could tell that like, it's beautifully constructed as an album. And and so I wanted to prescribe like a concept album feel to it, but I don't know mm-hmm. that it's appropriate. You
1: know? Yeah, I, don't, I guess that maybe it's just good mixing and good production decisions. I guess. Um, yeah. I've read a couple of things from them saying like, "Oh, we were we originally wrote this in '95," and then, "Oh, this was the last song we wrote." I'm like, "Well, those flow right into each other perfectly. How did how right. did this happen?" Right. Yeah. <laughs> so.
0: I guess that just speaks to their musicianship and their songwriting abilities. Yeah. I don't know. Or, or what they were, you know, what they were inspired by at the time, even, you know, um, yep. if I, if I were to read just the lyrics and look at the cover of the album and not hear the music, I would oh, almost be positive. They were inspired by alien sci-fi, <laughs> you yeah. know, like, um, or they like read an early release of the matrix script in 1999. Mm. Um, <laughs> shit. When, when, when did the matrix come out?
1: 99. No. You're right is it,
0: is it? Oh, you're right. Thank yep. you. All right, good. So maybe they read the matrix script in 1998. <laughs> I don't know, yep. you know, but um, yeah, it's, so that's what led me back to like, this is just a weird band, but I, I think it was so for, for your part, I think it was like a really great album to like set the stage mm-hmm. and get a baseline feel for the band before we move on to like the next, the next part of their musical journey. Yeah. about the 2008 album with a buzz in our ears we play endlessly i'm not gonna say the icelandic <laughs> maybe <laughs> yeah. maybe what i'll do is i'll like find youtube videos that pronounce it for you and then i'll cut them in we'll see that'll be a fun gift for post-production eric
1: yeah this one is even worse for yeah. pronunciation
0: <laughs> right right um but so this was released june 2008 um and recorded january through april so recorded beginning of that year and this one is uh man you you could not have picked a better you could not have picked a better like departure i think um i was gonna say i think out of this i out of all the episodes i've recorded and studied for this is maybe the most stark departure for these first couple of songs Mm -hmm. um yeah so um this was uh this is their fifth regular Uh, studio album and um, like right away it just it it's just so much more it's not poppy but it it um, the first I mean let's talk let's talk about gobbledygook I want to talk about gobbledygook yeah (laughs) Uh, what a weird cool weird song (laughs) you know
1: this whole the first half of this album is it's just so completely different from anything you hear from them previously right immediately starts off with guitar chords which is right not what you're used to hearing when you when you get cigar so um, uh i wrote
0: they had the they had folky drums they had la la las uh yep. i wrote down that it reminds me a lot of the dirty projectors i don't know if you ever listen to them um yeah. Some people were mentioning Animal Collective when I was reading about this. I've never listened to them. Yeah. yeah. So, and then I wrote down, wow, Gobbledygook is three minutes long. Yep. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) What?
1: (laughs) Yeah. I wrote down, like, much faster paced, higher tempo. It's, like, just really straight, 4 4. Yeah. Feels much more like a traditional folk, pop, rock song. Right. The lyrics.
0: And that's. That's why when I listened like I kind of went back and listened to some stuff in between these two albums and so just I was just checking. I was like, well, did they did they do any of this previously on the way to Gobbledygook uh and I don't think they did. <laughs> I think this is like no. to get this album into play press play on on track 1, it would be for me it was very jarring um considering what I just got done listening to.
1: Yeah, I think that the two albums in between the two that we're talking about are probably more like that first half of their of the earlier album. Yeah. than they are like this uh later one.
0: I like the lyrics uh and and a lot of reviews that I read, you know, mentioned the the album cover which is like these uh, naked bodies from the back. So all you see yep. is butts yep. <laughs> like running in a field. And then the lyrics are, you make hats fly into the air. You turn umbrellas inside out. You blow roofs out of the stormy sea. You stroke hair, prankster boy, you know, like yep. it's just this very fanciful song.
1: Aloof is what I wrote.
0: Aloof. I, I wrote fanciful like 40 times, but I like <laughs> aloof too. Yeah. yeah. Um, But immediately, like you said, you get like, Brighter and happier. He doesn't sing in that falsetto anymore. Um, Which, and which I really liked because, and I, I talked about this earlier um, with a good start with that album. Um, This, this song and the front half of this album, um, the the 2000 with a buzz in our ears, the front half of this album, I could see a band playing it. Mm-hmm. Like it actually felt like a band and not this like idea. you know, this like idea of a band or whatever. It's hard, you know, it's hard for me to, does that make sense?
1: Yeah, definitely. And, and I think it, it has a lot to do with the instrumentation. Like, like we've yeah. talked about. Um, I think they, they've done a lot with the, the more ethereal stuff by achieving that through like traditional instruments, but mm-hmm. you know. There's a lot of post-processing, I'm sure, gone into that to make it more ethereal or particular choices with like amplifiers or whatever to get the effects that they're achieving where this is like, just sit down and play the song, you know?
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just sit down and like, don't post-produce anything. Just like sit down and play the song. Um, So one of the uh, reviews that I found was from Pitchfork again. Uh, It said um, after four full that's why after four full lengths in the string of EPs that saw them bloat their sensory cavalcade of strings horns reverberated guitars and sweetly vocals last month's single gobbledygook came as a refreshing and shockingly grounded new direction gone were the celestial delays and cloud parting refrains in their place a tangle of acoustic guitars thumping percussion and rabid vocals. Mm-hmm. and 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 there uh it's and it says here not only did it sound like cigarettes doing animal collective which is what I mentioned it sounded like a way out so I think pitchfork when I read the review it was like this album this beginning of this album was like quote a way out they didn't have to keep making that like weird uh, you know soundscape music that they kind of defined
1: themselves with. yeah I was gonna say when you mentioned the falsetto like it's very emblematic of what you thought about. Sigur Ross was before this album came out. I'm, I'm trying to remember of how I felt when I first listened to uh, the songs on this album. I think they did release Gobbledygook as a, as a single before the album came out, so I had heard it. You know, listening to the previous three albums a lot in that period of time, because like I said, I think yeah. it was about 2006 when I started listening to them, and this album came out in 2008 so this would be the first one that came out like while i was a fan of theirs
0: i i just in a general side note that that's some i love when that happens like i love when you discover a band and you listen to their all their back catalog and then a new album comes out and you're like finally i feel like i'm a fan of the band yeah (laughs) like uh, but this would be a very jarring album for you then like to start with if as the quote-unquote like Next Sugar Ross album. You yeah,
1: know. I I can recall when Galway Go came out as a sing as a single. That was a very interesting experience because you know it was one of my favorite bands at the time. It really rocketed up there, and I'm like I I can't get enough of what they've done in the previous three albums. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, here's the debut of of the first single from the new album, and you're like, I I really like this, but it's. I was- Completely different.
0: I was going to ask, did you hate it? <laughs> you I
1: know? didn't hate it. I definitely did not hate it. I liked it, but I'm like, where are they going for this album? Right. So it was like and raised I... so many questions going into before the album was released.
0: So you it, you didn't hate it, but it it sh- it sh- you were shook. I, I was shook. I was <laughs> you like, questions. You started questioning things. <laughs> it's like I guess
1: I have another band that I like because this right. this isn't Cigarettes Ross. That's it for didn't, sure. Right.
0: Right. That's what I thought too. And I was kind of like thinking, okay, I was, I was like, Jake just made me listen to an hour and 10 minutes of the moodiest music I've (laughs) ever listened to. Maybe this departure album he's given me is like fun, (laughs) you know, and, and halfway, and then you get halfway through the album and they kind of revert back a little bit to their old ways in a, in a weird way. Um,
1: Yeah. But but it's funny. I, I, i mean it's it tells you all that you need to know about the first half that those are the songs that i think of on this album and yeah i don't really think of the ones on the back half of the album When i'm trying to if i'm going to listen to it or if i'm recalling yeah album itself so
0: right right and like to to my point earlier about the uh a lot of reviews mentioning the album cover. It's like when you think when you when personally I listened to the album one and a half times. You know for this show, all I can remember is the album cover, and then you remember those fun, kind of like aloof songs. Yeah. Um. Uh. One of the reviews I read was from the Guardian, and it said they've ditched introverted moodiness and discovered frivolity and freedom. Um. Which I loved that like frivolity. Like being frivolous in a song, because mm-hmm. like you listen to that um A Good Beginning, you listen to that 99 album, and it's like, there's nothing frivolous about that album. It's so measured and sweeping and composed. Yeah. Uh, and then you get gobbledygook. The name of the song in and of itself is like a fuck you, <laughs> you know, it's not even in Icelandic. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like, it's like, fuck off. We're going to do this weird song for three minutes. Yeah. <laughs> you know
1: i think just like the song structure too is just so much more traditional like yeah you, i just think like in terms of like repeating lyrics like there's they got the same li- lines over and over again which that doesn't happen in any of their previous stuff either yeah uh, you know they don't follow like a ABBA or, or anything like that in the previous stuff and that's like, like these first six songs are the same exact structure pretty yep. much so
0: yep I think that did you have any other notes on, on any track three was the next one I wanted to talk about because that was maybe my favorite song on the album.
1: Um, I have but. one note about the second song that I thought was mm-hmm. interesting. Just the uh the ability to do the rhyming throughout uh yeah. in the fast part of the sec the second half of the song. I thought that was I've always loved that part of the song, but then I was like looking at the lyrics and thinking about it a little bit more and I was like, that's really cool the way that they're able to do the rhyming for like, I don't know, 20 lines in a row or something like that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The back half of the song. Yep. Yep.
1: So that was what I had on that one, but you know, it continues that same tempo, that high pace. Yep. Um,
0: they add like trumpet, they add like a uh, bells or like a uh, glockenspiel, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, there's some German for you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it all comes um, together. <laughs> yeah,
0: right. <laughs> um, yeah, I think Good Day, track three, I wrote down that it's probably my favorite track. Um, it, so did the, I. The, 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 it's your favorite track too?
1: I said one of my favorites on the album. Okay, yep. yeah,
0: cool. Um I wrote down that it reminds me of, like, softer Coheed and Cambria stuff. Um, uh, Just, like, generally, like, kind of, like, that acoustic, like, soft vibe that Coheed does sometimes. Um, But then the orchestra comes in at the end, and then you can tell it's still, like, a a Sugar Ross song. I always want to call them Sugar Ross, uh, (laughs) and uh, that's not what I... ah, Fuck, I just remembered I was going to start the podcast with, we're here today to talk about Sugar Ray. Um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there i said it there man. every good morning yeah right yeah every good every good day <laughs> um but uh um just like really nice to see like hopeful lyrics i send you the sun late in the summer's day temperature rises the walking pace increases shines on the warm faces it's a real day go go away
1: clouds yeah like. the lyrics on this one are, are beautiful and it matches mm-hmm. the music uh What I kind of got from the lyrics here is kind of like a love letter to Iceland. You can tell how much pride they have for where they're from. And I feel like this was kind of them saying, like, we love how the feeling going into the springtime in Iceland when the snow starts melting. Yes. And yeah, and I think they really captured it in the lyrics and the music of this song.
0: Speaking of we talk about concept albums, I felt like this album by the time you get to the end of it was like spring, summer, fall, winter. Yeah, you know, I um, did not think of that. You pivot in track five with the song Festival. You kind of pivot at that point to getting a little more moody.
1: Yeah. I can and see then that. by
0: the time you get to like track six, um, it's like way more reminiscent of their earlier stuff. Um it still has like upbeat drums in it which kind of reminds you of the beginning of the album. But mm-hmm. um you you can't deny by the time you get to track 7 it's like this is a a Cigaras song. Like yep. it's like what 10 or 12 yeah, minutes it's the longest, long. It's like, yeah, you know, 9 minutes, yeah. <laughs> it's uh they they brought in like a London Boys choir. Mm-hmm. They recorded it live with like 90 piece orchestra. Yep. Um like so I jumped ahead a little bit there but no, okay. um yeah, I just like I saw this as like you you start with that gobbledygook and it just kinda sounds like you're like running through a field somewhere and like I don't know what fields in Iceland look like in April, but that kind of is what it kind of sounds like. It definitely feels to
1: me. like these songs, that's for sure.
0: <laughs> yeah, right, right, yeah. yeah. That's the other thing too, is that like you listen to the um a good beginning, that ninety nine album, and it's like I've never been to Iceland, but like I think this is what Iceland feels like. Yep. Um and so it was nice to hear on this next album on um, with a buzz in our ears. It was nice to hear like, oh, Iceland is not just blue all the time. You know?
1: Right. Yeah. Can we take a very small detour to talk about another thing that they put out? Yeah, sure. Um, They put out, they called it home. And it was, I think I mentioned this to you about the documentary that they did. And I just want to say that that's a really remarkable thing that they recorded where they just did a whole tour in Iceland only, where okay. they just basically took a bus from city to tiny little town in Iceland. They
0: they hit up all three cities. They hit all three
1: cities. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: all three of them. That's my Iceland joke for the but day. But they just
1: all, you know, recorded in really interesting places and like is all word of mouth type stuff. Okay. But it's really yeah. cool because you get to see all like what Iceland looks like and they're all over the country and they do yeah. a lot of really neat things on that on that uh yeah footage so
0: that's yeah and so you just get the sense like you said that they are like really proud of being from you know where they're from um but the the cool thing about this album this um 2008 release is they actually recorded some of it in havana cuba um so they recorded in Reykjavik, they recorded in London, and they recorded in Cuba for some of it. Which you listen to those like first three tracks, and it's like, how can you go to Cuba and not record songs like that? You know, sure. Like you're not going <laughs> to record a song like that. I guess I don't. I don't know which ones they recorded in Cuba, but you can kind of guess. You know, like
1: yeah, I didn't. Um, I didn't even know that.
0: Yeah, like some. Of, I don't. I don't know which songs, but I know they did some of the recording in Cuba. So. Um, it's like you listen to those upbeat frivolous songs and it's like, I could see how they recorded this in a, in an, on an Island, not well, Iceland's an Island too on a hot Island, <laughs> you know? Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's like, um, and yet they still maintain like that Icelandic feel. Like you said, in, in, uh, track three, a good day when they talk, when you feel like you, you, they talk about their love for Iceland in the, in the springtime, perhaps. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was gonna say just um the note that I put down for the album as a as a whole mm-hmm. is that it's kinda like a day crescendo like from the beginning to the end. Like sure. you don't have yeah. any of this back and forth and maybe that gives credence to what you said about kind of following the seasons if you started in spring. Yeah. Spring, summer, fall, and up end up in winter. I I see that a lot and that mark matches with uh what I had said about it. Like it just kind of really starts off really fast and just kind of s- continually slows down and turns a different tone through the second half of the album. It,
0: yeah. It, ch- it like chills, you know? Yep. And that's kind of, that's, I guess that's how, that's how I thought of it when I thought of the four seasons, that's, that's, um, mm-hmm. it just felt like they slowed down. Da- like, so exactly what you said, it felt like they slowed down. Um, mm-hmm. Not like a bad thing. It's just like, that's that's the movement of the album. That's what I got out of it. Yeah,
1: if I can be critical, though. I mean, it kind of did make the second half of the album a little less memorable.
0: Oh, absolutely. I was going to say, like, like, I think I was kind of leading on or kind of getting... I was getting to this point earlier is like, I really enjoyed the first half of the album because I, like I said, I was like, Jake is making me listen to this band. I just got out of an hour and 10 minutes of this moody, uh slow orchestral music. And I'm like, Oh sweet. A three minute cigar song. dope!" Yeah. <laughs> like I love this. And yeah. then by the back half of this album, it's like they're kind of back to their, what they were doing before. I, I don't think it's, it's, it's different. But it's, I was about to say it's different, but similar, which doesn't mean anything. Um, (laughs) I still feel like on the back half of this album, they didn't do a lot of like the falsetto. They didn't do a lot of kind of like this etherealness where it feels like they're playing inside of like a, I don't even know how to say it with that 1999 album it just kind of feels like they're inside of a crater on the moon or something. Yeah, that's like, a good way to <laughs> say it. Yeah. You know, and with the back half of this 2008 album, it sounds like their older stuff but like cleaner and not yep. as not as sweeping and yeah. still musically very 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 big, but I don't know. It doesn't it doesn't sound as like the only thing I can think of is it doesn't sound like they're inside a fucking crater. On the yeah, I it's don't know. definitely not as
1: full. <laughs> I put a note down about the, like the bare guitar and bass and voice. If we're talking about, this is track number eight. Il- yeah. you will see, I guess. It, but it's, uh, it's kind of got the same tone of the back half, but there's not, they still kind of have gone away from doing all of that post-production and it's, it doesn't make it very full. Like it's still musical. Mm-hmm. But like, it's just guitar, bass, voice, right, that, and some strings. That's, that's
0: the that's a better way to say it, which is what I was just trying to say in about a million words. The post, like what you just said, the post production, right? Yep. Like that 1999 album just feels, I, to be critical, it it's like overproduced, right? Um, I think it's mm-hmm. the sound they were going for. Um, But like to a critical ear. And for me, someone who's never listened to them, it just like you, you go forward, you listen to this departure album, then you go back and listen to the 99 release. And it's like overproduced as hell. Um, and everything has reverb, (laughs) you know? Uh, and that to me is always a sign with any band when they overproduce something is when everything has reverb. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, but, so that's why I actually like think that the back half of this second album is is um, I don't know like a more digestible version of their old stuff.
1: Yeah, a bit. I I would also say just knowing the other two albums in between these two that they definitely refined that formula. Yeah. Um, especially on the one right before uh, the 2008 album. So I think it was 2005 Tack. That that one I think has really really nailed that formula that they had been going for on their the the 1999 album, mm-hmm. um, and then of course they they make this big turn for this 2008 album, right? But like you said, I think they learned from that 1999 process to dial back the post production a little bit, but they still had a lot of those elements that. Um, really connected with me at least in the, in that 1999 album. you definitely get that on track
0: seven, which is rowboat, which is that song where they yep. recorded it live in a sing, uh, apparently in a single take with the participation of like 90 musicians, like the a London orchestra and a boys choir. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wrote down like, so that you definitely get the feel for like Cigarettes still knows how to be themselves in this song. Um, uh, but like I wrote down that like gobbledygook feels a million miles behind me. Yeah. Like what, what happened? <laughs> you know?
1: Yeah. That's um, the thing is I, I just feel like this song kind of kills the album a little bit. Yeah. And You don't have a whole lot left after this. Uh, you go to right. this really long nine minute song and then there's, what, there's like four tracks after that, that are all fairly short, but yeah but yeah. still, I mean, it just grinds to a halt, I feel um still like it like you said, it's still it's still singer Ross I still like it, but I don't think of this album as it's hard to recall it as a whole once you get past that song because yeah, you kind of after having that first half of the album where it's got so much energy and it's new and fresh for the band. Yep. And you get to here and you're like, okay, this is basically them taken to the max and saying, this is the last time we're going to do this. Yeah, kind of. right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then you're yeah. like, okay. And then the rest is kind of like almost the same thing yeah. four more times.
0: I wrote down what happened to the new fun, cigarettes. Right, <laughs> like, yeah. By the end of track seven, I was like, what happened to the new fun? What mm-hmm. happened to your new look? You know, Um, that's you look at the album cover with these naked butts running away from you and then you hear rowboat and it's like, I don't think that these are on the same album. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. uh, When I was reading reviews, um, basically every review said track seven was just overwrought, was just like, you know, I think the the granted Pitchfork likes to always think that they're witty. And so they write shit like this all the time because they think they're the funniest people in the room. But they said like Andrew Lloyd Webber would cringe at track seven. <laughs> like <laughs> it was like it's like too much for Broadway.
1: You yeah, know? I can um, remember before they released the album, they had done some previews of the um, of the orchestra. Like yeah. they they had they had kind of given some details of the album, and they're like, "Hey, we went all out, and we got this huge orchestra to record a song with us," and I was like, "Okay, that sounds pretty awesome for Cigarettes." Mm-hmm. And then I think you get to this song, and you're like, "You just did a Cigarettes song like like any other of the songs. Like yeah, I feel like you a little, you wasted it a little bit."
0: Yeah, no, and I, I read about the song before listening to the song, because I was, like, getting ahead of myself, and so I was like, oh, man, they got this massive orchestra, it's gonna be a single, it's a live take, like, that's pretty cool, and it almost doesn't even sound like a live take, like, it sounds, like, produced again, Um, it was, like, this cool idea, that Mm -hmm. I guess when I think of like a live take with an orchestra I think of like Metallica's (laughs) S&M you know when it sounds it sounds like it's in an arena because it is and there's some like acoustic liveness to it you know it's like a living breathing song and I just it felt like in that track seven a rowboat it just kind of felt like it, there was no air
1: in the room. Yeah. It's more <laughs> yeah. like recording it live was more of the practicality of having 90 musicians. Than right, it was yeah. like something cool to do with the space that they were recording in or, or whatever. So
0: I want to go back to track four before we get to all this, like late album kind of like, you know, uh, before we get to the back half of the album, which I think you and I agree on is kind of a disappointment or, mm-hmm. but track four which I think is, uh, the title track we play endlessly. Well, there's actually like two title tracks because they split. Yeah, track six also is, but anyway, track four we play endlessly. Um, I just like you hear that in front, you know, and and on the front half of the album you hear we play endlessly. It's a single. It just like continues this really great theme of play, like, yeah, just and not to I'm being redundant there, but you know, just like the the. The feeling of like having fun and being like you said aloof and like the lyrics are like we all saw so much we can do everything all over again a never-ending day is over we play endlessly we play and then they and like you said they repeat words which they never really did yep. in the previous stuff we play endlessly we play endlessly together we play all over together we all sing together
1: yeah um, i i thought that this one was pretty much a direct like reflection on their career up to that point. So kind okay. of the same thing that they had done with the song on their 1999 album saying like, Hey, we had a, a good beginning for that first yeah. album. I feel like this one is more like, wow, we we made it as musicians and traveled the world and we're playing together as this group of friends, um, you know, all over the place and whatever we feel like playing and yeah uh, you know we just don't want to want that to stop essentially
0: and strangely enough this was their last album before they took a hiatus yeah and <laughs> one of their members it,
1: left the band
0: yeah so they took a hiatus like the next year um yep. and then yonzi did a bunch of solo stuff i guess yep. um but uh i did read a um Uh, Funny note in one of the reviews I read that the title with a buzz in our ears, we play endlessly. Some people read that as like the band, like fucking trolling the audience. Like we know you guys think that all we do is play long ass songs that just hum, you know, like (laughs) it's like we're playing endlessly and all we're doing is just like buzzing in your ears. So someone saw that as like a little like nod to. Their old stuff, mm-hmm. um, which makes like the first four or five tracks kind of like funny and weird. And I don't know. Um, yeah. I'm glad regardless of how the album starts and ends, I'm glad that it felt like a band was playing it and not just this overwrought, overproduced, um, uh, you know, soundscape like it felt like i understood them as a band finally when i heard this album um and and maybe that's just because as you know generally people who consume music were used to and we like four and a half minute songs that have guitar and drums but um mm-hmm. i just felt like i understood them better uh with the at least the first half of this album but even the back half of the album even though they did kind of go back to those like big soundscape songs it didn't sound overproduced and it was i didn't like it as much um like like we talked about it just kind of felt weird and like a, a day crescendo on the album but at the very least it sounded like a band to me finally and i could actually yeah. like say i heard them as uh as a group and not just as this like Computer sound, or whatever,
1: yeah. Those the the first half is definitely much more accessible. I think it's maybe worth talking about the genre of their music as a little bit as a whole. Can you can you genreize
0: their music? So (laughs) So I I
1: would say that they were heavily categorized as people named it post rock for their first up until this album essentially. Okay. I think they still get that label applied but I think that post rock as a genre has a reputation for doing and making people feel exactly how you felt in the in that 1999 album mm-hmm. so then you got the weirdos like me who like that stuff we're, we're talking about <laughs> like explosions in the sky
0: i was um, i couldn't think of the band's name. Thank you. Explosions in the sky. I I was like, I was like, there's a band that I think of when I think of post-rock and that was it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it's kind of hard post-rock and prog rock, which happen to be like my two favorite genres, but they're really hard to categorize. And I feel like a lot of times, both those genres get bands put into them because there's no good way to really describe their music. Sure. But, um, yeah, I think that you see that Ross solidly is kind of, when you think of post-rock, really, really long, ethereal mm-hmm. um, music. Probably a little bit shorter songs than most of the other bands that get lumped huh. into the post-rock label. Like Explosions in the Sky, I think they do like 25-minute songs. and I...
0: I'm not about that, by the way.
1: I'm not about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I used to listen yeah. to a lot more... I, Not so much nowadays, but you know, they would do thing about them is that they would just kind of repeat the same phrases over and over again. I think Sigur Ross, they did a good job leading up to this album of kind of breaking away from that label, um, at least a little bit where I never really get bored of their music throughout a song because I don't think they do that thing that is very typical for post-rock where the bands just kind of repeat. And I think there's this kind of just build up is kind of the hallmark of a build up, build up, build up, build up. And then sometimes not even any sort of release until you get to through the end of the song. But I think that Sigur Ross don't do that as much, even though they've got a lot of that ethereal um, sounding stuff on their earlier work, but have, you know, except for maybe one or two songs on this 2008 album, completely break away from that
0: Mm -hmm. I would agree with that like I I never found myself um getting bored with any of the songs whether on the 08 or on the 99 album I never I was never like except for maybe (laughs) rowboat with (laughs) rowboat I was like is this song over yet but um only because it was so overhyped you know (laughs) like I said I was like oh damn yeah so um but like on you to, you know, we go back to the 99 album. It's like I I got into it. I didn't even know what I was getting myself into. And then once I saw that the songs were eight, nine, ten minutes long, I was like, oh Christ, here we go. <laughs> but I never felt bored by it. It was always interesting. And yeah. like you mentioned explosions in the sky. And I and I know I never listened to them, but I had friends who listened to them. And I know that those songs just bore the shit out of me.
1: Yeah, that's um, the biggest risk when you're going to try to play that type of music is 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 boring somebody. Um, and then Explosions in the Sky, they like to just not pay it off either. So.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're, to your point about this, you know, we have this expectation of a buildup and it's going to go somewhere. Um, and... And then it doesn't, or it's like, you know, it's like if Skrillex just like never dropped the beat, it's like, yep. why would you do that to me? <laughs> you know, yep. like, um, which is also why I really liked, this is back on the 99 album, but Good Weather for an Airstrike. I liked that one a lot because it did end on like an orchestral, like cacophony, like we talked about. Mm-hmm. So like to have a song that builds and then not end in a satisfying way, but still end. I thought that was cool. And like a different way to take a quote unquote post-rock song, I guess, you know? Yeah. Um, like, as you normally with a long song like that, you're kind of expecting like this big flourish and this big long note held. And then the song dissipates, but like to end for them to end on kind of like this noise essentially was Mm -hmm. a cool way to like, I don't know, do something different with that genre, I guess. Yeah, Um, definitely. So, any other like uh, I don't know, closing thoughts? Are we there? What do you think?
1: I mean, just to reiterate, like as I think we've kind of talked about a lot here is just that how much of a big start this album has, and then a very slow. I mean, if we just want to talk about all right, so that we mentioned it before that their first English song. Right. um, I had read that they had actually intended the whole album to be in English at yeah, one point I in time. Yeah, I saw that too.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But they just felt that they weren't naturally enough uh, either composing or writing or singing in it, that they decided to just go back to Icelandic for most of it. But, you know, the album ends on this song. And, like, if you thought Arbiter, the rowboat, stopped, the, the <laughs> brought it to a halt, I mean, it's like a glacier, this song. It's just... I...
0: I hated this song. Yeah. Like it's, and it's funny that it's called all all right, because by the end of it, I was like, all right, (laughs) you know, like, I, like I was, it, it just wasn't moving like at all. It felt like, a, it didn't feel like a great album ender. It, it, it felt like it wasn't really saying anything or doing anything. Almost like a, a song that wasn't complete or something. I don't know.
1: Yep. Yeah, it's a little bit of a shame because I think that the there's a lot of strong stuff on this album and I do really genuinely like love the album as a whole but it's kind of like just when I say that I think I just forget that the last four songs exist or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's fair but, to be critical, I mean, yeah. you
0: know. Uh um I I it's not it's not totally fair for me to just I guess I don't know which one did I like better. Um I, I liked the, we play endlessly better, but again, only because I kind of remember those first like four tracks that made it so unique and made it so much more accessible. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think that there are some real stinkers on that album and you don't really get that on the 99 album. I don't think any song in the 99. I don't think there's any skippable tracks unless you're skipping because you don't have 10 minutes, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Um, But there are certainly skippable tracks on this second album, and, and I think All Alright is, is one of them.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, I think they just do a much better job of filling the space in the slow stuff on the 1999 album, and it keeps it interesting, even though a lot of it is, is pretty reserved and slowed down. But yeah, it's just much more interesting than the, the slowed second half of the 2008 album. But I Especially think it's fair to like that album as a whole more than the earlier album, just because there's so much exuberance mm-hmm. and pace in the first half of this album that it yeah. really gets you going.
0: That's kind of what makes the back half disappointing, though, is like yeah. you started off so strong. Um, it just feels like two separate kind of separate EPs or something. Yeah. Um, but no, but like to kind of where we got started on this sh- on this episode is like. I think what you've done for me and for this podcast, which is cool is really given me the first off an opportunity to listen to a band I never listened to, which was nice. Um, but also like probably the starkest difference in a band so far in like a departure album, you to go from uh, the 99 release and to go from these big sweeping eight, nine, 10 minute songs um, that are very beautiful in a lot of places, and contain all these different sounds and instruments, and then to go straight into like gobbledygook, like a three and a half mm-hmm. minute song that's like folk guitar and tambourine. Yeah, you've <laughs> what you've introduced to this podcast, I guess, is like maybe like the new bar for like biggest departure or something. You know, like all right, challenge
1: yeah. challenge put forth <laughs> to everybody else. Right, <laughs> uh, it's it's funny you say that though because I feel like there's a couple days. Um since I had kind of given you the info on what I would like to talk about, where I was like, Yeah, are these different enough to even merit being a departure? Sure. (laughs) It's kind of funny because I'm like just so know the music so well that I'm maybe think that the they're knowing those two middle albums and the evolution that they went, that it's a lot more gradual than listening to these two particular albums back to back. Where I was like, you, is this a, much of a departure between these two? But I, I mean, but I think so, ultimately. You you
0: you knowing their music so much better than me, do you get anything on those in-between albums that are like tracks one through four of this album? Do you get any? I went back and checked, like, I think I went back and scrolled through Tack really quickly. Um, mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't think any song is under six minutes long. On some of those albums. Yeah, so like... I I
1: think talking about it through the through, uh, the two of us right here definitely convinced me how different these two albums are. Yeah, I think there's maybe like a song here or there where you're like, I can see where they're going and knowing where they end up. I've seen them tease a little bit of this. Yeah. Um, yeah. Especially on TAC. but yeah, n- overall definitely completely different. Jake, thanks for joining me today. (laughs) Thanks for having me. It was a blast.
0: That was a departure is a podcast created, produced and edited by me, Eric Burgess. Thanks again to my guest on today's show, for helping me talk about music, which I love. Please subscribe to this show wherever else you get your other podcasts. And thanks again for listening.